Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. Today on the pod, it's video game talk with Game Explains head honcho Andre Seekers. We're going to start off talking about the new Paper Mario Origami King game, and that includes spoilers, so please check the notes if you do not want to hear anything about the plot. We're going to talk about the game, the gameplay, the mechanics, the bosses, the fights, the music, and pretty much everything involved in the game. We also talk about the phenomenon that is Animal Crossing, how it came at just the right time for everyone around the world to play it, the updates, uh, Andre's mom playing the game of all things, uh, and more. We're going to talk about the future of consoles. Uh, are either the new PlayStation or Xbox worth getting? Uh, either one is which one uh, is Andre getting? Is he getting one at all? We're also going to talk about some retro gaming systems from the past. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. If there was one thing many of us did while stuck at home these last few months, it was play video games. And to chat about some of the recent games, as well as look back and also to the future, I'm very happy to welcome to the pod for the first time the head hot show of Game Explain, Andre Seegers. How's it going, Andre? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Uh, like I said, this is, I'm sure there's a, uh, video games are one of those things where there's always something new all the time. So there's probably never really a good lull for you guys, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially these days, like, even when there's not much happening in terms of, like, big game releases, there's always tons of tiny announcements, like, with DLC or updates or just news stories. Like, it seems like recently there's been something to cover almost every day. No, we have had lulls before, specifically during, like, the Wii U era. <laughs> um, but, yeah, these days it seems like that almost never happens. There's almost always something for us to work on. Which is good, even though, you know, from the consumer perspective, I can see why, uh, you know, there may not be a lot of, like, big first-party stuff to, to play. But, but Nintendo has been pretty good about providing, you know, like, updates to games and new content to play with, even if it's not major releases. Yeah, we had initially talked about doing a pod sort of during the height of Animal Crossing, and we'll get to Animal Crossing in a second, but since we just had a big game drop a couple of weeks ago that I managed to finish just in time to do this podcast. And that is uh, Paper Mario Origami King. Mm-hmm. And you are, of course, are a big Super Mario guy. So I would just ask, um, how did you find this new game, either by itself or in comparison to some of the other Paper Mario games in the past? It's complicated. This is one of the hardest games I've had, hardest times I've had reviewing a game. Um, because, so I, I really enjoyed, of course, the original Paper Marios, the first two specifically. Wasn't a huge fan of Super Super uh, Paper Mario. Um, hated, inf- infamously or famously, I suppose, hated Sticker Star. Then I actually really enjoyed Color Splash. And the Origami King is, has been such a weird one for me because on the one hand, it has a lot of high points. Um, perhaps some of the highest points in the series for me. Uh, I love the ending stretch, and it might be one of my favorite, uh, like, end games in any Paper Mario game. But on the other hand, I also found quite a lot of lulls in between those high points. Like, I just felt like I was bored a lot of the time, and I wasn't particularly invested in a lot of the regions or the areas, because they kind of lacked an overarching narrative. Like, beyond, you know, you of course had the story with the Origami King himself, but there's not a whole lot going on there. And on a regional basis, which is where 
Paper Mario has traditionally excelled at having these smaller micro stories that took place within these small regions or chapters. That that was kind of missing here, I found. So um, there are elements of it, but yeah, so it's, 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 it's weird for me in that, yeah, there's parts I enjoyed, but I was bored for a lot of it. But by and large, by the end, I was won over uh, and I came around to liking the game on our scale. So I give it a like, which is basically the lowest official recommendation we have. I really, I have to say, I have not played any of the other ones. But leading up to this coming out, I have watched uh, the videos that you guys had on your channels of various guys playing all of them. And plus, you guys, uh, uh, in your game club thing that you just started, just finished Mm -hmm. playing Thousand Year Door. So I'm sort of, they're fresh in my mind, although I didn't actually play them myself. But I did really enjoy... Uh, Origami King. There was, I would agree. There, there's, there's some definitely uh, some tough spots to get to, and we'll get to that in a second. But overall, I had a very good time. I liked many of the, I liked many of the characters. I liked um, some of the theme, some of the theme worlds, and uh, I would say is for a, for a Super Mario game. And like I said, I haven't played a lot of them. I would say this this was surprisingly deep and occasionally dark in places I wasn't necessarily expecting. Yeah, that that was a shock to me too. Um, I you know as one who has played every Paper Mario, even I was blindsided by that. Uh, just to clarify, this is your first Paper Mario game. Yeah, this is the first one I've actually played. But I've watched, yeah. like I said, I watched the streams. I think of like all the ones that you guys have up on your gotcha. channel. So, so I sort of know. I know many of the con, like the complaints that I've heard from you guys or from people on, on your Discord. Like I can understand some of their complaints, although I didn't actually go through them myself. But I also sort of agree with a lot of the positive things that right. that have been said. I should say now uh, for people that are still playing or haven't finished, um, we're going to spoil whatever we can. So if you want to. <laughs> Jump ahead a few minutes, feel free, but I think it would be a disservice to not dis- sort of discuss the things that we're dancing around right now. So uh, I'll give people a couple of seconds to, to fast forward <laughs> if they want before we get to them. But uh, I, wa- I finally watched this morning, I watched the, the, the spoiler review that you posted the right. other day, which is just entitled, you know, Holy, Holy Crap. <laughs> <laughs> because and of course and if uh, if people haven't seen it if they want to go back and watch uh, one of the guys on the stream one of the guys on your channel streamed over the weekend and mm-hmm. when they when they got to Bobby's death like you could tell how visibly affected they were and I was too and I'm and and you were yeah I mean that came out of almost nowhere I mean. Looking back, you can see, you know, obviously they were building up to it. But I didn't expect them to to go in that direction where Bobby straight up sacrifices himself to save Olivia. And yeah, so it's it's it was shocking to see that in a Nintendo game, like a character like I mean, I think we've seen we've seen this touched on. Uh, you you could argue to some degree in past games. Um, I think I forget exactly how it worked, but you know, I think I think uh, Huey and Color Splash, base you know, ended up as a uh, you know, he seemingly ended up doing something similar, but it hit so much harder here. I think because yeah, it came out of nowhere, um, and just moments before this, like or you know, not too long before this, uh, Bobby just regained his memories, 
And then there's the fact that the partners like actually interact with each other in this game, which is something we haven't seen much of in past Paper Mario's. And I think that actually really worked here, where where Bobby and Olivia had like a relationship, where they actually did interact with each other. They talked almost constantly in every major set piece, and and yeah, it all just came together to be a really shocking moment. And then, and it and it didn't just end there. Like the game just didn't continue on. It then sent Olivia into like this uh, state of depression where you had to figure out some way to cheer her up. And the whole thing just, like, really worked on a level that I didn't expect Paper Mario to ever really explore. And, um, yeah, it was it was very touching for that reason. Well, the thing that I liked about it, say, killing off a character, but especially one that was likable, is um, I had talked recently on some pod, I forget about what... Oh, it was... In, we were talking about uh, the, late, the, the last Star Trek show is there's this trend, especially in science fiction, where you kind of have your cake and eat it too, where you, you have a death that almost immediately gets reversed right afterwards. Right. So you get to sacrifice, but you don't lose the character. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, Stephen Moffat did a lot when he ran Doctor Who uh, a couple years ago. And, you know, Picard did it in this thing. And so it was kind of nice for once to have a character sacrifice himself and stay dead even though we sort of got the tease of a ghost right after he right. died, but, you know, we didn't... You know, he wasn't magically resurrected at the end when, you know, Olivia made her wish to undo everything. Although she ended up, you know, sort of sacrificing herself, too. She did. And that I guess I... Yeah, there's... <laughs> we can touch on any number of things here. I guess we'll... To, to mention Olivia real quick. I So I don't, I don't think I... I don't think, like, I had... I don't think I got teary-eyed during Bobby. Like, I appreciate what they did, and I felt, I'm like, whoa, they went there, dang. But um, while I, while it resonated with me, like, it didn't move, you know, didn't move me to tears or anything. For whatever reason, Olivia really got to me. I didn't see that coming either, where she, like, basically sacrificed herself, too, for, you know, to restore the world. And, uh, yeah, that just hit me hard, and I don't fully understand why. I think, I mean, I think it's partially because I really liked Olivia. She's a really strong character, and probably perhaps one of the strongest partner characters we've had in a Nintendo game, or at least at least Paper Mario and probably Nintendo in general, where, you know, she's with you the whole time. She's a really, like, positive and upbeat character, but who's also kind of naive. Uh, so it's, it's it's uh, you know, so she's kind of, she has, like, this innocent presence to, an innocent presence to her, um, and that kind of just makes everything hit a little bit harder, too. And, yeah, for I don't know if it touched you in the same way, but for whatever reason, like, I was crying during, like, the credits. I'm like, dang, that is really hitting me. <laughs> Well, I, like I said, I was I was expecting her to be the one that may have come back because, like you said, they did it with with Huey and Color Splash, and I think they did something similar with Kirsty. Yeah, and... Kirsty sucks. I was like cheering. I'm like, yeah, get out of here, Kirsty. Or I don't know what happened to Kirsty. I don't remember exactly, but but I wasn't uh, but it seems like there's a pattern in in the in the Paper Mario games where the you know the partner is almost sort of like the the partner in a buddy cop. You know, when whenever when they when your main character, it's like it used to be like in Dirty Harry, the Dirty Harry movies, like mm-hmm. every time Harry got a new partner, you knew this guy was not long for the world, and mm-hmm. so that's sort of how Paper Mario works, where like the sidekicks are expendable by the end. Right. But the, but yeah, I was kind of expecting, you know, for her to somehow get reversed, or for the 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 toad the toad maker whatever he was called the toad Geppetto. You know, to, <laughs> to to maybe make another one or something. Right. And I guess 
I guess that sort of gets teased when you if you see the hundred percent ending when mm-hmm. you know he's he's actually made new Ollie and Olivia's to put on the origami castle, but I mean they're not alive anymore. Right. They're but they're just there, so it's sort of like they're they're dead but they came back too. <laughs> right, in a way. Yeah. I guess yeah, I I I don't wanna, I don't know how much I want to read into that because right, I, I like are they aware at all or are they just simply like paper standards? I'm assume I'm assuming that's what it is. Like it's more like hey, they were you know they're reunited now even if they're not aware of it. But um, you never know what these games like as you said, Bobby came back in spirit form. Um, you know, so he's you know he's dead, but he's not gone. Even though Olivia still thinks he's gone, <laughs> which is even which is even rougher. You know, she killed, she sacrificed herself without even knowing that Bobby still existed in some form, at least. <laughs> but, yeah, it is interesting, as you touched on, Nintendo kind of, um, or the Paper Mario series kind of, you know, is willing to sacrifice their few original characters or the partner characters in the end, um, which, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I fully feel about that. Like, um, I don't know, it is just kind of odd just to know that, that they do have these occasional original characters, then they just get rid of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> Never to be seen again. Well, I mean, it's it's sort of that it's sort of like the sitcom trope where, you know, you basically every episode ends where it begins. So it's like right. you can have a story where you introduce new characters, but by the end of the episode, they're gone. It's back to square one. You know, right? and you know, I mean, the you know, Simpsons have joked about that a lot over you know over the years. I guess probably most notably with Poochie when you know they introduced Poochie as a point lampoon introducing new characters and then you know he gets quote-unquote sent back to his planet by the end of the episode and everything's back the way it was before yeah that's i mean i think you're raising a good point like it's it's kind of um symbolic of the entire uh issue i would say surrounding paper mario and partner characters like i'm sure you've seen some of the recent interviews have come out where uh the producer has basically said yeah we can't create you know original characters based on existing Mario designs, which is why they've gone with these new origami characters, for instance, in in uh, the Origami King. But even then, as you're saying, like, yeah, they just get rid of them at the end. They hit reset, and then it's basically back to square one, you know? Um, and we're just left with the core Mario cast. So, yeah, it is, it is an interesting change in direction, specifically for Paper Mario, which started off with these really strong, unique um, characters. And now we're left with you know, uh, a much smaller cast in terms of like original characters, but they, but I still find them to be impactful. You know, I really enjoyed Huey and Color Splash, and now here I would say Olivia has actually been one of my favorite Nintendo partners in a in a game. Um, so yeah, so they are right. I mean, one thing they actually touched on the most recent recent interview is they've had to write these characters to be to stand out to you know to stand out on the strength of who they are rather than than their appearance. And I think that's something they've really started nailing with these most recent Paper Marios, where they do feel like characters, even if they may not look entirely unique. Yeah, the one thing I also liked about the plot, if, I mean, all we, like you said, we, we pretty much described it, because it's not like, it's not very intricate plot. But I no, was ha- I was, I was happy um, that we did not have Bowser turn bad at the end. Like, I'm glad yeah. he was... And this is funny, this is like sort of like the second game in a row where Bowser's been sort of like you, like you you root for Bowser by the end because in uh in Odyssey you know since you end up playing as Bowser at the end to sort of you know in the like the final fight or whatever and here you get to see it was like a big sort of mecha sumo fight between 
origami Bowser, giant Bowser origami, and giant origami Ollie. Right. Which, I, which was a very it was. A, there's a lot of the fights I think in this game were also really really incredible to watch. You know the animation of the fights. It's like oh yeah know, the the ring gimmick. You know you can sort of take or leave. But like the staging of it, I think a lot of it was very interesting. Yeah, uh, no, I totally agree. I, for for as much flack as the um the way the, the Legion of Stationery, the household objects you fight, got at first, I was like, oh, look how original these boss fights are. You're fighting like a tape dispenser, but Nintendo did such an amazing job at bringing them to life and making them feel. I think they're probably some of the more unique boss fights I've ever faced, despite them being based on standard objects and the way they're animated. Like specifically, I'm reminded of the scissors you fight toward the end of the game and how like a rocks back and forth on its on its you know sharp edge and the personality they've infused them with. Like one of the uh, characters like has like a gangster type uh, dialect and it's just all really fun and funny and it's it's enjoyable to see Nintendo bring these these things to life in a way that. I haven't really seen done before and they make these generic objects really just have like a ton of personality. Yeah. I love the like disco theme yeah. of the, of the one it's like the, in the, the desert fight, you know, you, you get to the end of that and you're sort of getting to the final stage and there's all this weird, like seventies disco references that, <laughs> that I would assume that 90% of the people playing this game have like a vague shadow memory of what these jokes are, you right. know, just by knowing sort of all the, the disco stereotypes. But yeah, between like that fight. And like you said, the, the, the tape dispenser being like this weird cocky New Yorker, <laughs> yeah. like with, with, you know, like phonetic New York dialect, mm -hmm. like forget about it. And, yeah. and, and things like, yeah, I mean, I certainly I enjoyed the the stationary fights a lot more than than the valumental fights, which I mean, oh, I, I don't you know I hated those. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know if it's me, but I swear some of those honestly took me like fifteen twenty minutes to get through. They were just cumbersome. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them took me upwards of an hour. Um, I felt yeah, I, I think I have a couple issues with them. One, the personality they they had no personalities. They just weren't they weren't fun beings but two they were they went way too heavy in uh, in on the specific puzzle solving elements like it felt like the stationary battles were more open to interpretation like there were multiple ways of uh attacking them the, the scissor battle specifically had like a few different like key choices you can make during it which i thought was really fun um whereas the elementals the yeah they were very specific when you have in what you had to do to the point that you had to, you had to read the notes on the board to understand even what to do and I actually felt I was led astray by them. Like there was one, I think, for the fire elemental that said something uh, about the timing of your um, of your thousandfold arms attack, and I misinterpreted to think to it, to to mean that it like physically timed my motion controls uh, to actually inflict damage. But no, what it was talking about was timing when you actually deploy the attack, and that totally threw me off for about half an hour or so. So that was very frustrating for me. And that they were very particular in how you had to engage them in battle to to beat them, and I found it frustrating. Yeah, some of them too. They they had way too much healing, so it would be you would like get near where you thought the end was coming, and then right. suddenly they'd get this burst, or it'd be their second stage, yep. and you're like, oh come on already! It's yeah. like you know how long is this? Especially the fire one where it was 
you know, the more fire it put on the board, it took its own health points down. Right. So then it was like you kind of actually had to, like, either extinguish them or, like, use them up. And that sort of took away its health, which is counterintuitive to, mm-hmm. you know, how you would play. Yeah, I sort of yeah, eventually got to see them more as a chore to get through. Whereas, yeah, the, the stationary fights, I thought, you know, once you figured out their gimmick, and especially when they would change throughout the fight, right? you know, that, that yeah, they were sort of mostly fun. And then, yeah, like the like one of the alley fights, too, was kind of like that because he became one of the valumentals, and then you had to figure out which one to fight him with and et cetera, et cetera. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was probably like the weak point. But generally, it's like yeah, the other boss fights were fun. Most of the characters were were fun. Like the a lot of the dialogue was very witty and yeah, you know, really well sharp. Written. Yeah, I agree. There were um, I, I didn't find it as funny overall as Color Splash, but there were still there were still a few moments that got me to laugh out loud. And I'm specifically reminded of the when you first meet Bobby in the um, gondola, and if you keep uh, did you did you decline his um, offer? No, I you? no, I I accepted it, but I've but I saw the video that you posted of what yeah, happened. Yeah, I'm a jerk. Did. I just kept declining him, and it's that was some of the funniest stuff I've seen in the game, um, especially when he has this like one piece of dialogue where he asks like a he has like a double negative, and I and I was trying to answer the question. I'm like, I don't even know what you're asking, and then once you answer it, he immediately responds in response to the fact. Oh yeah, that question was a bit confusing, wasn't it? I'm like, all right, I get what you're doing here. I loved it so. Yeah, the dialogue is just really witty throughout. It's just, uh, it just, I mean, that's what that's probably the most rewarding part about finding all those toads is just reading what they have to say rather than the impact they have on the rest of the game. Definitely, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So overall, I would definitely say it's definitely worth people playing, and you would agree that even with the caveats, it's definitely worth playing. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think I'm probably just a little bit lower than the current consensus seems to be, but yeah, ultimately I ended up. I, I ended up coming around on the game. I would recommend it. Um, yeah, especially if you've enjoyed like any, like if you've enjoyed any of the uh, previous Paper Mario's, and especially either Sticker Star or Color Splash, um, I would recommend. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend checking it out. So, and the other the other Nintendo phenomenon that we mentioned before is Animal Crossing, and I had played sporadically like in the distant past, but you know, like I said. That was perhaps the most perfectly timed video game release huh. of all time when we're all stuck we're all stuck at home and ironically this game comes out that's sort of about being is about being stuck at home as it were on your own little island right and for about a month it became this huge phenomenon yeah even my mom started playing Animal Crossing and she has literally never played a single player focused game before so this is entirely new for her. She had to learn how to use controller. So the fact that my mom is playing a game tells you how big it is. And as you were saying, the timing was could not have been better. I mean, to the point that like there, you know, there's been the yeah, I say conspiracy theories is a joke, but like you know, did Nintendo start this pandemic <laughs> for Animal Crossing? Um, but yeah, they delayed. I mean, I think Nintendo is fortunate in that they delayed it from last year to this year, just at the very beginning of the pandemic. And everyone's stuck inside, nothing to do. And this game offered, yeah, an escape from real life to go live out on like a, on a deserted island and make it whatever you wanted it to be. Like, there is not a better game at a better time than Animal Crossing was for this pandemic. And, yeah, and it, it just, it was like the perfect storm where it combined with the Switch's, like, 
you know, current uh, chart breaking, you know, sales records. Uh, just it allowed it to access access an audience bigger than it ever has before, or will be bigger than it ever has been before. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been as big if it was just a regular game that people could have even beat in. You know, if it was a giant RPG that you know took fifty or sixty hours. You know, if this would have been you know Final Fantasy VII, you know, still it wouldn't have been. You know, I think part of the charm of one, you know, Animal Crossing is charming in general just because right. of what it is, but because it's open-ended, because it's like a nice sort of animal-friendly version of The Sims or Civilization, you know, where you can just play forever. And, right. you know, and since you had such, you know, I mean, it certainly took me a good long while, you know, to to meet most of the early goals, you know, it, it probably took a lot longer than I was expecting to finally get my five-star island just because, huh. you know, I was at four for the longest time, and every day Isabel would either say, you need more flowers or you need more furniture. And, you know, right. I had, like, an island covered in flowers and just random high-ticket items placed throughout the island in strategic places trying to boost up my numbers because, you know, by then we all knew that sort of how the game worked and in terms of points and star ratings, but even then it wasn't in an exact science. So it was like, yeah, when I finally got it, I was like, you know, because it was like first you finally got terraforming, so you can finally do what you wanted with your island, mm -hmm. and then finally get five stars. So it was like, then it became, well, then what do you do? And so they've been very shrewd about timing their updates. So it's sort of like just when people start to get bored, they introduced something new. It was like, you know, for a while it was dipping down and there's like, you know, here comes red and the art museum and things like that. Right. And then it dips down again. And then we got swimming and diving and something more to collect. And, you know, we've, we've had events that some people liked and some people hated, you know, and now we're getting an update either tomorrow or the next day where we're getting uh, dream states again. We're, you know, and, we sort of know some of the stuff that's coming in the future. We don't exactly know when yet, but they, they are very, they're very, very strategic in, in ways to keep getting people's interest, even if it's only for little bits at a time. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, yeah, I think what they're doing is by and large, a smart idea. Like I've seen some complaints from people being like, Nintendo's only finally adding in features that were there the whole time in previous games or some previous games. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's true to an extent, but, this game itself is probably the most different Animal Crossing has been since, you know, the original game. And um, so I don't know if it's fair to hold it against them that they, you know, that they're now adding some features from that were there before when there were brand new features here from the get-go. So, yeah, I'm okay with I'm totally fine with the rollout model. And I think it makes sense, as you're saying, in order to help maintain interest in the game. That way there's always something to look forward to. Otherwise, had everything been there, you know, from the start, I think a lot of people would just burn themselves, out, burn themselves out completely on the experience. You know, like, had swimming been there from day one, I think everyone would have been well over it by now. But the fact that it came later, you know, I think indicates or suggests that a lot of people are probably still playing with it, whereas, you know, they'd, they'd be over it by now. And, of course, there's still more stuff to come. They did say there's a follow-up date coming, which we don't know. We don't, you know, officially know we'll be, we'll be in it yet. Um, yeah, so I think, I think it is smart. For myself, though, personally... I said I I have fallen off the Animal Crossing train. Like I put over 400 hours into it. I was playing every day. I was streaming every day. And while um, I have liked some of the updates, like I like the red museum stuff. 
uh, and I did like swimming. They, they haven't really kept my interest too much, um, especially with swimming. I played it for a day. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm good. I think I've seen enough. So we'll see if the uh, if this new update coming soon uh, will hold my interest longer. But I think I think for me personally, I've got my fill of Animal Crossing. I'm ready to like officially move on. Although I'll still dabble in it here and there for the updates. Yeah, I'm still tokenly, you know, like it's now one of my things where I play. Well, I mean, now I was trying to get through uh, Paper Mario, but before that, it was sort of like. Let me play long enough every day to do my chores, get my money, see who's on my island. You know, and another thing, it's the kind of thing where since you don't know what day visitors are coming, because I think like a lot of people, you know, I have my fossils finished. You know, bugs and fishes change every month, so you kind of have to play if, you, if you're a completist. Mm-hmm. And you know that, you know, it's still going to, I think... From what I understand, even if you've caught everything now that you can, you still won't have a full compendium until November, I think, just because of the way they cycle. So you're not going to get all the bugs and all the fishes yet anyway, but I have all the fossils. So now it's like trying to get Red's art, but, you know, for the longest time, it was random when he was coming. And, you know, I was certainly one of those people who hadn't seen him in two or three weeks at a time. So it's like, how am I supposed to... How am I supposed to fill up my museum when he doesn't come? I mean, now at least we're guaranteed him coming at least once every two weeks to your island. So I guess maybe the goal is make friends with other people so that when you, you know, you get your one piece of art from Red per day. But during the other times, you go and visit your friend's island and hope that they have more than one. He has more than one real piece that day that you can go and get one from them. So I guess... You know, that way, I guess they're encouraging you visiting other people's islands, at least for one reason. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. I think I think for me, I, I wish uh, I suppose I wish there was maybe a little bit more uh, different day to day. Like, you know, we occasionally have the like the bug festival or whatever they're called, the bug catching festival and the, the fish tournaments or whatever. Right. But I feel like there isn't enough different day to day to like entice me to check in now. Um I feel like I like I feel like for a while there, like every day. Uh, I was gonna say Olivia, uh, Isabel would be like, "Oh, no news for today." So here's what I've been watching on TV, and I'm like, oh, "Just tell me something's different on the island, right? You know, like have a little game or something." Um, so that's kind of wish I, I, I that they had maybe had a, a little bit more varied activities day to day because yeah, I loved Red, but as you were saying, like up until recently, he barely came to the island. Like I think I finally stopped playing shortly after the Red update. A couple weeks after, I think I saw him twice in that time. And uh, even though I really enjoyed whenever he showed up, like I wish he was a little bit more frequent. Um, because yeah, it was just rare enough to be, you know, to seem like you know to almost make a question, hey, when's he coming back again? And if you miss him, well then that's it. You missed your shot. You have to wait for the next chance of him showing up. So yeah, and some of the visitors are just sort of, it's like I don't know if I've ever bought anything from Flick. You know the guy, or not Flick, um, Kick. CJ. Yeah, no, the, no, the one selling, uh, the one selling tennis shoes. It's like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. cute, but like he takes up a spot one day, and it's like, right. You know the third able sister. That's cute every so often, but it's like, we've. I think people eventually figured out that all you have to do to do her thing is put on what she gave you, and then she said, great, and then gave you tickets. Yeah. It's like. 
you know, or the, you know, Sahara has floors and carpets. That's nice, but it's like, I mean, I got six rooms, so it's like, do I really need to stockpile like hundreds of carpets and wallpapers when <laughs> I can only use like three or four at a time, or yeah, good you point. know, at the most five or six? So it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, people would want red all the time, and then maybe CJ and Fleck to make money, but other than that, it's like, okay, you know, um. The gardening guy, that's fine. The tennis shoe guy, I don't need. You know, Gulliver is fine, but eventually Gulliver started giving you pretty useless stuff, where in the beginning he was giving people these monuments. Right. And then it became like a wig or a pair of glasses, and you're like, <laughs> and you're like, really? So I guess, you know, now we'll see what the new Gulliver gives you, the pirate Gulliver. Yeah, our, yeah what's his name? Gulliver. <laughs> Gulliver. Yeah. yeah, I love that. But, That's pretty yeah, great. I mean, so I agree that it's now it's now a maintenance game. It's like, yes, I check in every day to keep – see, this is – you know, I'm one of the – I'm unfortunately one of these sort of horrible OCD completist addictive types where <sighs> if, if I have a game where there's like a, a daily requirement, it's like we were uh, talking before, before we started recording that, you know, there was a big up, uh, update yesterday – for Red Dead Redemption, which, you know, which is something you guys don't usually talk about. But, like, I had a, like, 430-day game streak going on Red Dead for doing oh daily God. challenges. But, like, so one day I missed it because it was – the servers were down for a while, and it was a day that I was working, so I didn't have all day to play, and I missed it. And I was just like – this may be the best thing that happened is like I was freed from this burden. Right. It was, yeah. you know, cause there were days where I would log on, do the easiest thing I could do and log off as quickly as possible just to keep my streak going. And I'm like, there's no fun in that. It's like, no, you're, right. You're doing, you're, it just, you're it's, a slave, you're a slave to it. So once I yeah, was finally like... broken free, you know, I think I've maybe played like two or three times since then. And that was like maybe a month ago. And now that we have this big, giant new update with new stuff to do, I'm going to start playing again. But, you know, other than that, it was – and that's sort of how I am with Animal Crossing. At least there's enough every day to at least, you know, play for five or ten minutes. But I don't – but, you know, there's no streak that's super important. It's like if you break your streak of checking in every day, you lose Nook Miles. But at the most, you get like 200 a day. So yeah, you're not, you reach a point where you have more than you ever need anyway. Yeah, I have like 45,000. And it's exactly. like the only time – and I've pretty much, you know, bought everything that I could bought that's easily buyable. Mm -hmm. So it's like the only time I use enough tickets now is when I go searching for new villagers if one of mine leaves. You know, and then, you know, I'm not one of – you know, I pretty much after the second or third trip to an island, I'm like, oh, this guy's kind of neat. I'll pick him. I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these, one of these guys who I've seen online where they, they're hunting for a specific, a specific character one, yeah. and they, they go like 20 or 30 trips <laughs> trying to find the exact guy. And I'm like, I don't really care about any of these enough. You know, I've seen some cute ones, but I'm, do I really want to visit 40 islands trying to find, you know, the, the robot? You know, no. Yeah, right. I'll yeah, find some. It, you know, there's going to be a cool. You know, there's some duds that I'm not going <laughs> to pick, but I'll find somebody that's decent enough that I don't need to spend three hours and forty tickets on. Yeah, I actually did a live stream dedicated to um, 
going villager hunting, but I didn't have any anyone specific in mind. I'm like, oh, let's just, you know, visit as many islands as it takes to find someone pretty cool. And it was only, I think it was on maybe my third, fourth, or fourth island where I found, um, oh, God, Stitches, the this stitched-up teddy bear. And I'm like, this guy's pretty cool. I didn't even know this person existed. And uh, the chat loved 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 Stitches. So I'm like, all right, this is our villager. And that was it. And that was, I imagine, for me at least, way more enjoyable than looking for someone specific just because, God, going do, going to the airport like, you know, 30 to 50 times would just drive me nuts. <laughs> so. and, and, and you mentioned your mom before, and your mom inadvertently ended up with, like, two of, like, the hottest characters in the game. <laughs> yeah, she she has uh oh god, what are their names? Um I'm drawing a blank. The the cat with glasses. Is it Raymond? Uh, Raymond, yeah, thank you. And then Judy. Uh the 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 bear with like sparkling eyes. And yeah, she had, you know, my mom had no idea like that any characters are considered like any more valuable than others, you know, to the audience and uh so she so she was really happy about that. She loves and she loves Judy just for how she looks. So yeah, so it's been fun. Yeah, it's and it's to that point too. It's been fun being able to, for me at least, like enjoy a game with my mom, which I've never been able to before. Which speaks to again just how wide-reaching Animal Crossing is. Because she had to switch because I got my dad to switch for Breath of the Wild. Uh, that got him into gaming about 10, 12 years ago. And so it's fun that now both my mom or both my mom, both my parents are are gamers to some degree, and uh, that we're able to like bond over Animal Crossing, which is uh, unprecedented for me. <laughs> and I'm sure it's happened for other people too. And I guess uh, before we uh, leave Animal Crossing, did you ever finish your island? I guess people people who listen and haven't seen, uh, like you said, you can create all, you know, sort of make your island any way you want. And while you were doing your streams, you had a big grandiose plan of <laughs> of reenacting the opening. As, oh, what's funny is is people kept trying to guess what you were making and <laughs> – going through like a list of like almost every sort of famous movie there was. <laughs> and, and, and it turned out you're doing the rescuers down under of all things. That's right. <laughs> so how far did you actually make it in your project? It's, it's almost done. I just need to sit down one day and just finish up these final few details. I just, ever since I burned down the game, I just lost interest in, you know, finishing the project, but I really should because I had, um, you know, I, for one, I spent a lot of time myself doing it, but I also had a ton of help from our audience too. Helping like clear out the, uh, you know, helping clear out the field from like, uh, or you know, helping like plant flowers for instance and watering them. And so I feel like I owe it to them to at least finish a stupid thing, so I can just move all of my life officially. So yeah, I should do that. I just really need to sit down and finish it. So it's probably like 90% done. I just need to finish up the final few de details and actually film it, and uh, you know, and then edit the music to it, and I'll be set. The thing that annoys me is Nintendo fixed a bug in the game. Where you could turn, you could use a camera mode to turn off the HUD and still move around and stuff with the HUD turned off. But they fixed it now, where the HUD remains on screen. Period, which annoys me. That I was planning on using that quirk for uh, to to film my thing, so I can still make it work. It just won't look quite as cinematic as it would have originally. So I'm, I'm kicking myself for not finishing it before Nintendo patched that. And I don't know why they patched it. There's no reason to patch it. It only benefited the people. The glitch hurt no one. So I'm very annoyed with Nintendo for fixing this. Well, that seems to just be the way it works. Whenever there's a good glitch, those get fixed right away. The annoying yeah. glitches are the ones that they never bothered with. Exactly. Yeah, so that's frustrating. Um, lately, over the sort of the last couple of weeks or so, we've seen the uh, the comp the major companies sort of starting to debut all of their next generation stuff with at least uh, teaser trailers of stuff. Since we've seen 
both the Sony and the Microsoft. Um, what's your opinion on, on how those are shaping up? Oh, um, I mean, I would say the PS4, or sorry, the PS, the the, P, the PlayStation Five. I'm I'm pretty I'm looking forward to it at the moment. Uh, more uh, more of the two. Um, it seems like they have a better like they've at least made their vision for the system clearer than I think Microsoft has, which feels a lot more muddled. Like coming out of the Series X showcase, I still don't really know what Microsoft is trying to do there. Like I'm actually one of the few who liked the, or seemingly one of the few who liked what Halo is doing in terms of gameplay at the least. But for the rest of it, like nothing they did really excited me. They didn't show me why I needed the next Xbox. And maybe that's part of their point, like where they're kind of, you know, they're kind of like deep decentralizing uh, themselves, where it's more about Game Pass than the Series X, or at least that's how I'm interpreting it, uh, where you can play these Xbox games without even needing an official like Series X, you know, Series Xbox to play it. Um, so in terms of like just being excited, I'm more excited right now for what PlayStation is doing, because it does feel like more of a proper next generational step. Whereas I don't fully know what Xbox is doing at this point, um, which might be better in the longer in the longer term. I think they might be playing the real long game where they really are just focused on getting people on the Game Pass in which you can play play these games on your PC or any or any number of their hardware versus uh, PlayStation, which seems to be more of a traditional console generational step. See, for me, I really don't see the need to get either one of them. It, certainly at launch, it's like yeah. almost none of the games you know, looked appealing to me. It's like, you know, I've never played Halo. I mean, I've watched people play Halo, but, like, you know, I had a 360 and I have an Xbox One, but, like, I've, I don't really, nothing Xbox has put out, certainly in terms of, like, exclusives, makes me want to buy that. And, like, some of the PlayStation stuff looks interesting, but, like, do I really want to spend... 500 600 dollars whatever it's going to be for a system that i'm not really enthused about i mean if anything i'd almost be more tempted to go back and buy a ps4 finally to <laughs> play some of the stuff that i know that's been out the last couple of years that i hadn't played right you know like yeah. i tell people i'm i'm happy with i'm happy with just having my switch right now it's like and then the stuff that i still play on xbox occasionally whereas you know if i can think of like the last few years, the only games that I've really liked, I mean, you know, God, I waited eight years for Red Dead, so I was certainly <laughs> glad when that finally came out. Yeah. But, like, other than that, it's like, you know, the only games that I really have really enjoyed to the point of being sort of evangelistic about it were, like, Zelda when the Switch debuted, and then and then Odyssey, and now... And now Paper King, like I, all three of those are, <clears throat> are great games that you know, I'm glad that I played, but, you know, I couldn't think of any, like if I had a PS4, you know, I'd be playing Ghost of Tsushima, but I don't have one. So that's, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of one of the people that's intrigued about Cyberpunk 2077, but who knows when that's ever going to come out at this point. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, while I've been more excited about what PlayStation 5 is doing, I'm not sure if I need one at launch either. Like, I've actually gone this entire generation only owning a Switch. I I don't have an Xbox One, and I don't have a PlayStation 4. I only borrowed one to play Last of Us 2, which is the first time I've had a... Uh, well, I actually, so that's the first time I had one in my current house. Luckily, my roommate had a PS4 in my, uh, at the place I was living cur uh, previously, so I would use that occasionally too. Um, so that helped me, you know, that helped 
uh, that acts as a stopgap to actually buying it. But yeah, so I think a PS4 does kind of sound more appealing at this point since it has a you know a, a what a seven year library now of like some really excellent games they can play for a lot cheaper than you could buying a PS5 and buying you know uh, these full price games, especially with the the potential news of some publishers charging even more for these games. Not that they shouldn't, but you know gaming is already kind of expensive as is. So yeah, I think. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think we'll just have to see how things shake out. You know, more games will be announced in the lead up to the consoles launching, um, and then more will be shortly thereafter as well. I don't know if I'll get either of them a launch, and uh, probably not a Series X at this point, depending on maybe depending on how Halo turns out. Uh, but the PlayStation Five is a possibility, just depending on what exactly is going to be there at launch. Um, yeah. But I might, I might just wait as well myself. Yeah, the only game that I'm sort of looking forward to is. It's Last Campfire, which is by the by Hello Games, you know, the people that make No Man's Sky. Right. But this is another thing that seemingly has been in development for the longest time and it's the kind of it's one of those games where every six months they put out a new trailer and then there's no news. So you're like Right. It's like, well, I want to play this eventually <laughs> but, you know, I couldn't tell you when. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um I guess, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what Nintendo does for the end of the year, because we don't know about anything coming up from Nintendo, uh, basically, uh, you know, now that we're in a, now that we're post the Origami King. And I think that's going to have, I think that might have some impact at least too on what people end up doing with the PS5 and Series X, because if there's like nothing coming from Nintendo, uh, people might be more inclined to pick up a competing system, but I think, I mean, I think obviously there will be more. We just don't know what it is yet. And I wonder how much longer we're going to have to wait to find out what it is. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see just what happens here because it feels like there's a giant question mark for the next six months from Nintendo. It decides some of the rumored projects, of course. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sort of one of those people like right now, at least I'm content with what I have. It's like, you know, again, a little Animal Crossing every day. And, you know, I bought... You know, I bought Clubhouse games just to have something on the Switch where if I'm if I'm somewhere bored and I have uh, like 15 minutes, I can play. You know, if I don't want, if I don't want to play one of the games off my phone, you know, then I have you know Uno or Yahtzee or like four different kinds of solitaire that I can play. So that's like a good thing to have in your hip pocket is one of those kind of games that right. You know, just are just time killers. Yeah, and then that one has 51 games, so 51 time killers <laughs> waiting for you at any at any time. Yeah, especially um, since I've never figured out how to play some of those Japanese card games that are on there. That It's like you watch the demo, and I'm like, okay, and then you try and start playing it, and you're like, I yeah. have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had the same – like, for by and large, I think the game does a pretty good job of walking you through how to play most of the games. And I thought that was the case for, like, the Hanafuda cards as well. Then once I got into it, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what what's going on here. Um, they do have some more advanced tutorials that probably would help. That probably should sit down with and uh, really explore. But at the same time, it's like I could go play slot cards or checkers or chess. You know, some games I know how to play uh, without having to like you know uh, subject myself to these mental roadblock uh, roadblocks of of some of these more intricate games. Uh, before we go, I, we had been talking about things that uh, I could talk about on the pod with you, and one of my friends came up with an idea to say, since you've been doing this for, what, 10 years? Game Explained's been around for 10 years. Is that, yeah. 
Is that right? But obviously, you'd be a gamer a lot longer. So he thought it'd be fun to ask you, what's your favorite system of all time? Is it Does it go all the way back to, like, the original NES? Or is there one of these game systems in the 90s that, like, people have fond memories of but have kind of faded from obscurity? So I was just wondering what that might be. Oh, man, that, it's so tough because I think my opinion would probably change if I went back and, you know, replayed all, all the games from my youth. Although I have revisited quite a few of them. But if I had, if you if you peg me down, made me choose, I'll probably go Nintendo 64. I think that's the system I probably had the most fun with. It had some of the most like you know important and revolutionary games in Nintendo's history, being Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time. Um, and then I myself loved Majora's Mask as well. And then it had the just absolutely killer multiplayer games, like for basically the first platform to really make four player gaming a focus. Uh, between Mario Kart 64, Super Smash Brothers 64. Uh, Perfect Dark, Goldeneye, um, Mario Party 1, 2, and 3, um, Tetris, the new Tetris, uh, Dr. Mario 64. I could go on. There's so many great multiplayer games. I had so much fun with playing with my friends that I think still are largely fun to this day that really befuddles me as to why Nintendo hasn't re- you know, made a Nintendo 64 mini yet or anything. Uh, because it would be so fun to revisit those games uh, you know, uh, in a more accessible manner. But yeah, I would say it's probably 64. I can still go back to most of those games or a lot, a lot of the, well, maybe I should say a lot, but I think uh, <laughs> surprisingly now those games still hold up to this day. We're finally just now getting a sequel to Pokemon Snap, which is a game that still seems original uh, even now. And uh, yeah, so I would probably say Nintendo 64 probably has a wider spectrum of games that I could still go back to and just really have a blast with. There was a lot of trash too, don't get me wrong, but it was a really enjoyable system. Yeah, it's funny. That's one that I didn't own, but like one of the guys... Because I think that was so. That's like the that's like mid to like nineties, right? That's when. Uh, yeah, ninety ninety six is when okay. I launched here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was working at one of the local comic shops, and then, so one of the one of the regulars had had one, and so we would do the thing like you were saying is, we would swap that, because um, I guess I had a PlayStation One, and we had also. Because that was by the the point where you could get import stuff fairly easily, mm-hmm. and so we had, you know, because that was when you just had to put the little thing on the back of the like the on the back of the thing to get to emulate, or you did the disc swap trick. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, we were getting stuff. So I because I remember I because I played Ocarina of Time on his system, and then. He had borrowed mine because we also bought. This was, I think, during the same time we were buying. We were, uh, we were getting imported Japanese wrestling games, mm-hmm. and so we would switch back and forth. And I think that was at the time when, like, I have a, I have an imported Dreamcast that I got. Just for the just for playing all of these imported Japanese wrestling games, <laughs> because I think at that point you couldn't. I don't remember if switching around things on the American Dreamcast was more difficult. Because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know like if there wasn't a game chart for it yet or something or other, but it was actually easier to like actually buy the imports. Right. The import because I because. 
because the one that I bought from a place in New York, there was a place online that was in New York City that you could order import games from. And I'm sure there were probably others, but like that was the one we used. And I remember the imported dream cost imported Dreamcast cost the same as getting the American one, but it didn't have the internet, like the internet adapter. Oh, the modems, yeah. Yeah, so it didn't have a modem, but it was like, that was the easiest way because, because I know this is sort of, I know this is not a genre you particularly are interested in, but they had, they had some like amazing games coming out. Then, you know, since wrestling has always been sort of, bigger in Japan culturally than it is here. And so, and one of the video game companies actually ended up buying one of the big wrestling companies. Like, Ukes ended up buying one of them later. So mm-hmm. everything was in-house, but that's what, so we were playing on those. And it was just funny that, like, there were, I remember it was funny, there were, like, no American games that I actually had until I finally tried to play, I tried to play Shinmu. On it, but then we could never get it to work. So I had like this imported one, but we could only play the import games. We couldn't actually play the regular ones. Oh my! I can only imagine playing Shinmu in uh, Japanese only. <laughs> well, well, see, but it, but see, it's the thing. It was it was an, it was the American version of the game. Oh, okay. But like the controls and everything were still in Japanese. Right. So it was this wow. weird dichotomy. So like we tried playing it for like a couple of hours and eventually just gave up. <laughs> but it's it's funny. It's. You know, it seems like nowadays that, like, it seems to me that, like, the Dreamcast is almost like a forgotten system. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of his library hasn't really been revisited. So, and, and or Nintendo, Sega, unfortunately, cut its life really short. So it never had the chance to, you know, grow as much as other platforms did. So even, like, yeah, finding a Dreamcast these days is pretty rare. I have one myself, um, have, you know, it has some great games. But yeah, I would love, you know, I would, I would love if Sega made like a Dreamcast Mini or something, you know, like they had, it was a, well, a couple months ago, they announced, hey, we got big news coming. And we found out it was like a, a Game Gear Mini. It's like, really, who cares about that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure some people do, which is cute. But like, we want a Dreamcast Mini, right? Like, give us a Dreamcast uh, that we can play with a bunch of games built in. And, that, and I think that'd be amazing. Well, there's, I know there are games that are even from like my youth which is the the 2600 era that you know that like it's funny they're so easy to find now either emulated online or you just buy you know it's funny that you know you have like those knockoff things that they they've made now for like the NES or the Atari where it's like all these hundreds of games that were around you know in the late 70s or 80s and now you you know you could fit them all on your phone Mm-hmm. It's just funny sometimes when you think about sort of the increase of technology, or you know all of the all of the NES or, or Super NES games that you can now play online on the Switch. Yeah, actually, that you just reminded me of, a, of an anecdote. I don't think I've ever. It's not that great, but it's it's one I don't think I've ever told before. So you get a, a small exclusive here. I remember uh, I, it was when I was growing up, probably like ninety, probably not actually ninety six. I think it was right when sixty four was coming out, and I think my mom was asking me about the controller packs you know when you needed a controller pack to save some games to um and i i i i forget if i was explaining to her how it worked or if she wanted to know what it was to get me one i forget the exact details but she was asking like oh can you like put entire games onto it i'm like no mom that's absurd it only saves like you know small amounts of data to it that that the game then reads 
But now it's funny looking back. It's like you know she wasn't that far off. Like only it was only a few years later where you could download you know full games far bigger than Cruise in USA ever was and put it on these tiny memory cards. Like you know as you're saying, you can now store an entire console's library on a tiny SD card. You know, and it's just crazy how far we've come since those days where a, where a controller pack held a few kilobytes and now they can store gigabytes if not even more. <laughs> well, I know there was. I had one of the one of the Ultima games for because I had an Apple II C when I was in high school, and like, it was like Ultima Four or Ultima Five, one of the two, and I think it, that thing came with seven floppy disks, mm-hmm. which at the time was just like one you got to keep track of them and you know make sure the right ones in this disk drive and blah blah blah, and probably now yeah that game would you know, fit on the head of a pin. And it's just, it's just funny. It's like, and I know, like, I still have, like, a lot of the boxes from, like, I was a big, uh, I was a big fan of the, like, the text-based adventure games. You Mm -hmm. know, the ones that, that Infocom made. Yeah. And it's so funny that, like, I think there's now, like, a repository online where you can just go and play all of them now. Except probably, like, the licensed ones, like, you know, I don't know if they have the rights to the to the Hitchhiker's Guide game anymore. But, you know, there must have been like 30 or 40 of those games. And, you know, I'm sure they're all just text-based. So I'm like, those couldn't be hardly anything if I think about, <laughs> you know, like how, you know, like I said, my, my update for Red Dig came in yesterday. And I think that was somewhere between like 5 and 10 gigs. And right, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, and it's... It's just funny when you start thinking about those things in context. It is, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, you download, you now download updates for a game that are far bigger than than entire games just a generation ago. Um, you guys are coming up on an anniversary this week. Well, whenever you get around to recording your podcast, it will be episode two hundred. That's um, right. Do you guys have any any? big plans or is it just going to be episode 200 no i yeah we're working on that we're trying to figure out the details we better get it hammered out soon um i think the idea is just to get as many of us as possible on on the one episode i think we i think we might do a uh a uh a live version of it possibly exclusively for our patrons um so we'll do like a whole webcam thing uh which could be fun um, but yeah, other than that, it's, I mean, we may, so it might be more of a looser episode than usual, just so we, we can all chime in on whatever, um, especially in a live setting, but yeah, otherwise it, it'll probably be, you know, basically what you expect is with more of us and possibly live. <laughs> cool. And you guys are doing this new game club thing, uh, for, for your patrons where you guys are going back and playing, playing old games. Like I said, uh, you did thousand year door and you just finished, kid icarus and i think you're still deciding on what's going to be next uh did we just decide so we, we yeah we just decided or the patrons decided i should say they just voted and oh god i don't even know how to pronounce the game name uh Dur- I, I gotta look it up actually i forget what it's called um it's some like it's some text-based we're not text-based it's um let me just look it up here sorry give me one second I scroll it's, it's, through. It's, Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Danga, Danga Rampa. Is that how you say it? <laughs> it's something. I also say the one that's not Skyward Sword. That was the other yeah, choice. So it barely won. It won by 4%, I think. Uh, but it was it was a close race the entire way. And 
is decided, so I guess I'll be we'll be playing that next for the next uh, six weeks, I think, because it has six chapters. So yeah, that's cool. I'm looking forward to see like when you guys start doing doing uh, theme months. I think that'll that'll be fun because, like you said, I think in straight votes it seemed like given that you're a Nintendo heavy site that those are probably going to win. So I'll be curious to see when some of the obvious choices aren't available, what people are going to end up picking for you guys to play. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think we we're, we're, we might be doing like Sony September, so there'll be all PlayStation games. Um, maybe we'll have like Microsoft March or something. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's fun. To, but I'm actually surprised as much as anyone that Skyward Sword lost. It shows that hey, a Nintendo game won't necessarily win every time, and that's kind of fun to see. I was gonna say, and and every time there's a chat, I will still continue to throw in. I will still continue to throw in the suggestion of someday doing Red Dead One. Which I which I think would would be interesting just because it's sort of off brand for you guys. Plus, you know, it's probably my favorite game of like the modern era. Just oh wow, because of well, it's the kind of again I'm old, so like playing a western appeals to me because one, it's a western and it's not your typical science fiction you know poster, but you know it's not sort of a a JRPG and it's not yeah it's grounded right you know but it also came in like you know again the best games have an emotional attachment and I was in the middle of playing that when for my 40th birthday we went on a vacation and we went to Monument Valley which mm-hmm. uh, I assume you probably dabbled in Red Dead at some point but one part of part of the Red Dead takes place in in Mexico, but they basically went out and shot Monument Valley. So it was like playing a Western in this famous place where they shot, you know, some of the most famous Westerns in Hollywood history. And mm-hmm. so I was in the middle of playing that when we actually went to the real place. Oh, wow. That's, so that's it was, awesome. So it was just like, and, and I think, I think it's just, a, uh, like I said, a great game in, in, in general one, cause it's atypical and, you know, it has great writing, and it did lots of stuff that sort of, at least seemed sort of breakthrough, breakthrough at the time, you know, since it's now been like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and you know, it's Rockstar, but it's, it was done sort of with the quality of GTA, but not with some of the excesses that I think sort of hinder GTA sometimes, just for being a little too over the top. Right. But I, you know, because I, I remember I, w- I was listening to some of the stuff on your channel a while ago, and I remember somebody on your crew, like, nominated that when you guys were doing Games of the Decade. And I was, gla- I was, I was glad somebody did, because even for, for something 10 years ago. But I, f- I forget, I, and I, I know it didn't win for whatever you guys voted that year, because it was up against something else really good. But, you know, for me... Yeah, that's like my favorite modern game. So I think it would be interesting to watch you guys at least play even some of it. So yeah, maybe that would some, be interesting. Maybe someday. But yeah. uh, Andre, I really mm-hmm. want to thank you for for taking the time to do the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I can't get enough of talking about the Origami King. <laughs> I've, um, I've done like it seems like ten different discussions on this game now. Yeah, uh, people can obviously find Game Explain uh, on YouTube and. You're on Twitter at uh, your name, Andre Seegers. Uh, is there right. anything anything else uh, you want to mention before you go? Uh, no, you pretty much covered that. You can also you know find us on most social medias like Game Explain on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. 
So otherwise, yeah, just check YouTube. Great. Thanks. Thanks again, Andre. And we will talk to everybody next time. Thank you.